Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. It's good to have you with us. Jennifer did come in. She's done serving in the children's department today, so we wanted to recognize you, Jennifer. Stand up for Veterans Day. Thank you so much for your service. <laughs> yep. She was helping spell Susie or Caroline or somebody while they were in here. So thank you so much. And for all of our children's workers and leaders, uh, we appreciate so much the work you do. It's such an important part of our ministry here. Thanks, Mark. If I were to say to you uh, the name of the disciples, think of the disciples' names. And if I were to say to you the name Thomas, what uh, description right away comes to your mind? What? Somebody said something else. What did you say back there? Awesome. awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, that's your name. Okay. I, <laughs> all right. And he is a disciple of the Lord, so that, that works. But uh, everybody else said doubting, okay, <laughs> besides Tom, Tom Holden. Uh, doubting Thomas. Isn't that interesting that that's what we remember about Thomas? We say, oh, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Uh, it's interesting how we remember somebody's missteps. Isn't it interesting? Those kinds of stand out when someone makes a mistake or it's notarized that they uh, tripped up, did something that we didn't think was right. That's something that just sticks with us. It was kind of interesting in reading this uh, last week in our Bible reading, going through the Bible, and we were reading through the Gospel of John. And in John chapter 11, which is the uh, the story of Lazarus, who died, and they came to get Jesus to come, uh, to come there to heal to, to, to heal him before he hadn't died yet. He was sick. They wanted Jesus to come and heal him, and they were going to go there. And Jesus says to his disciples, "Let's go back to Judea. Let's go back to Judea, back down toward Bethany, which is near Jerusalem." But Rabbi, they said, "A short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you. They tried to kill you." The leaders of Israel, those who were opposed to him, they tried to kill you, and yet you're going back there? And, and, and the conversation basically is, you know, yes, we are going back there. And then when it finally, even though they couldn't dissuade him from going, they tried. No one could, could convince them this was not a, this was a bad idea to go back. It was dangerous, very dangerous. But finally, when they realized that wasn't going to change, then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Nobody remembers Thomas for that, right? He is the only one. They all, they all probably sat there dumbfounded looking at each other like, what do we do? This is dangerous. Our lives are at stake. Peter, John, James, nobody speaks up. Thomas, let's go. We're gonna, and the assumption was he's going to die. We'll go die with him. But we remember Thomas for his mistakes. His mistake. Isn't that interesting? Doubting Thomas. So this morning, um, we're going to, I want you to keep this in mind as we talk about our verse for this week from 
the epistle to the Galatians. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, this is the time that we uh, we continue our worship by looking into your word. This is part of our worship today because you are worthy of our attention, of our contemplation, and your word is given from you to us. And so bless us, bless our hearts now to open, be open to your word today that we might not only consider them, but apply them as we walk with you this week. And we pray this in Christ our Savior's name. All God's people say together, Amen. Amen. So we are um, once again revisiting our our uh, Bible memory verses. So last week's verse, you, my brothers, were called to be free. Come on, you got to say it with me, huh? I mean, I'm helping you. you didn't, if you if you forgot it, you can you can look look at the screen. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. And the second part, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5, 13, and 14. So that, you can, I know for sure, remember that last verse, right? Let's say it again together. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's try it again. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Very good. So this week's verse is interesting to me. Not only interesting, but it's, um, it's wonderful. That with God's word, God tells us also how to apply it. I mean, we talked about this last week. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that, that's a big thing. You know, I, I, sure, I love the world. I love the world, but I don't live next door to the world. I live next door to my neighbor, right? And so the person closest to you, those closest to us, are the ones we are called to love and to serve. And so how do we do that? Well, today's verse that we um, reread earlier, which is our memory verse for this week, is also from Galatians, and it's Galatians 6, 1, and 2. This is the next chapter, the next phase of Galatians as we come to the end. Brothers, and as we read this morning, brothers and sisters in the new NIV translation, because certainly Paul is talking to everybody, right? He's not just talking to the men, he's talking to everybody. It just so happens the ones we printed came off the 84 version, so it's the one we're memorizing. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is our verse for this week. And this is a very... Um, practical application of loving our neighbor as ourselves. Brothers, friends, family of God, if someone is caught in a sin. Now the word that's interesting here, somebody caught in a sin. You know, there are different words in the Bible that are used for sin. And um and there's a, there's a quite a, a parameters, you know, when it comes to, to sin. You and I, you know, there's, there is such a thing as a sinful lifestyle. This is a, this is a delicate area because we are also told in the Bible that we are to pay attention to the area of what we call church discipline. This is a very delicate subject. Um, there are very, there are those who are very quick to want to publicly discipline everybody. Um, 
But at the same time, we have this verse here about gently restore them if we are spiritual. And then we have Paul in Corinthians having to deal with the case where, where a church is being ripped apart from a particular sinful situation which the church seems to be endorsing and embellishing, or if not even uh, proud about, which he says, even the pagans don't do this. So he says, you've got to do something. You've got to remove this. So there's quite a spectrum when it comes to this context. I understand that. When we talk about living a life pleasing to God, we, as I've mentioned before, and I'll mention again, we don't preach at our church the doctrine of sinless perfection, that you will ever get to a point in your life where you will no longer sin. We don't preach that. We don't believe that's possible in this life, but we do believe it's reasonable that the Bible says we can live a lifestyle pleasing to God. We can be free from slavery to sin. That's, ter- that's certainly what the book of Romans clearly teaches us. And so we, we understand this, and we have to look at this, this balance and understand this. And this particular, and it's interesting to me that this is a, situation that Paul is looking ahead. He's looking ahead. He says, this is, this is reality. This is going to happen in your, in your family of faith. This is going to happen. He said, he didn't say that, if the, I know this may never happen to you, but just in case, he says, no, when this happens, when a brother or sister is caught in sin, caught in sin, and even that word sin here is, has, a, has a, quite a breadth of meaning. But it's interesting that the, that the word here for, for caught, this idea for caught is somebody who, it, it seems to have more, not so much someone who is living a lifestyle of sin, saying, you know what, I don't care, I'm saved by grace, don't tell me how to live, I can do whatever I want because I'm saved by grace. That is not a normal Christian attitude towards sin, Right? Now, we all struggle with sin, okay? I'm not going to ask for any hands today, okay? But we all struggle with sin. And we all struggle with maybe areas of our life that we are particularly prone to temptation. And it's hard for us to relate maybe to someone who's not prone to that. And it's hard for us to relate to someone who is prone to other things and say, really, that's something you struggle with? And, you know, Satan and the adversary, Hasatan, the adversary, we believe, as our doctrinal statement says, and as the Bible says, he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. He is real. Our sinful nature is real. And we all know we struggle with temptation. We struggle with sin. And we have, looking back over our life, maybe there have been times in our life, particularly we've been particularly prone to certain weaknesses of, of character, whatever you want to say, that we have maybe fallen into sin and maybe a lifestyle sin. But if, if, if our attitude is, if our attitude is, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm saved by grace, I'm free, I'm forgiven forever, God's never going to bring it up, so it doesn't matter how I live, Paul addressed that. Romans chapter 6, how can you, who have been saved, who are free from sin, how could you live any longer like that? If you say that, I'm free from sin, that grace may abound, Paul says what? God, King James, God forbid. It's a strong word. He says, no, that is wrong thinking. And if that is your thinking, then there's something wrong. That is not normal, okay? But people and us, you and me, we get caught up sometimes in sin. And the idea of the word used here in the Greek does seem to indicate 
This idea of somebody who is, who is tripped up, sort of an element of surprise. They got tripped up. They got, they got snared. And something happened, maybe unexpectedly. Maybe it was, it was a particularly weak time in their life for whatever reason, and they fell in this sin. They got tripped up. I think that's the best way to think about it. If someone is caught, I don't know that the word caught here is so much that I caught them as they were caught in the sin. But it, it could go either way. You could, you could argue either way. And if, you know, you could look at, if those of you want to go a little further, you can read and study that. But I think it indicates if those, those who have been tripped up in sin. Paul says, it, listen, brothers and sisters, listen, if someone and I think the idea particularly is in the faith community, in the family here. But we can apply it to more. But I think his emphasis here is in this faith community. If someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritually spiritual should restore him or her gently. Restore them gently. It's interesting, the word, res- okay, so we talked about the sin as a false step. Or a, it's a transgression. The word sin is a false step or transgression. We can't, we can't whitewash it and say, well, they, that's, they got, it was an accident. So no, this is serious. It's, it's the word sin. There are different words for sin, and this is one of them. Okay, so it could be a very, it could be a very serious sin. I mean, you know, I don't need to go into the, the parameters, but you understand. It, it's, a, it's a word. It's sin. That's what it means. And the idea of a false step or transgression. But Paul says that we should, we who are spiritual, those of us, and I, and I just want to stop there for a minute. You who are spiritual, who is that? Who is that? Us. Yeah, thank you. Us. I mean, you know, who, who are spiritual? It's in the church of Galatia, there, there are those who, he's asked all of them to have the fruits of the Spirit. And so I don't think this is an elite group. I don't think he's talking just to the elders and pastors and shepherds of the church. I'm sure they are included. But in our church family, uh, you are spiritual. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not perfect. But if you are walking with the Lord, if you are seeking His will, if you're involved with His Word in your life, and you're trying and you're living a Christian testimony that, is, that honors the grace of God, you are spiritual. You, this is not, he didn't say those who are spiritual giants, but you who are spiritual, meaning the body of Christ, you who are faithful. And it can be, it can be a, a, an age, all ages. We have young people who are spiritual. They're not perfect, but for where they are in their life, they are, they are spiritual leaders. I mean, they wouldn't be working with our children if, if that weren't the case. We wouldn't trust your children to the care of our young people if we felt our young people were a really bad example to them. We wouldn't do that. We wouldn't have them come up here and sing to you if we felt that, you know, it was, it, that they were living a life that just was not, does not represent Jesus Christ. So yes, young people, teenagers, adults, we are spiritual. And he says, you who are spiritual as a family, this is part of our spiritual maturity that we learn to do these things. And, and, and sometimes in a delicate way, he says, you who are spiritual, you restore that person gently. This word restore here is, is an interesting word. The word restore is used in the medical field to restore a broken bone. 
Now, I know we have some here who have done surgery, who have worked with uh, restoration in the medical field. And I don't know about you, well, I've been to Dr. Mohandasan's office, and when I've been to Dr. Mohandasan's office for my eye appointment, I didn't go in there and have, and you know, Arlene didn't grab me by the shoulder and said, sit down, right? And Dr. Mohandasan didn't come in and say, look at this. No, he was kind, he was gentle, he was caring. We had a service yesterday, uh, Friday, for our brother, Dr. Lindemann. And and the thing that, that came up in the testimonies, and I know from those at the hospital that were there too, was his humble, gentle way of, of treating his patients. Isn't that the kind of doctor you want? You don't want to be treated roughly. You don't want to be treated harshly by a doctor. You want them to be gentle. But sometimes sometimes that that treatment hurts, Right? I mean, if you have a bone out of joint and it has to be put back in, they can be gentle in their mannerisms, but they have to do it at some point. And it doesn't feel good, but they are still... Do you understand? Paul says, listen, you who are spiritual, when you restore somebody who has been caught, tripped up in a sin, be careful how you do it. Be gentle in your in your spirit. You know, And even sometimes it might be hard. Sometimes you have to confront somebody and it doesn't, it, and it hurts and it, it's not fun to say, look at, this is wrong. You've got to stop this. Or you, you made a, you got to, you have to apologize for this to that person. And you have to confront somebody. That's not easy, but you can still do it in a manner that represents this kindness and gentleness as a doctor would do in restoring a bone. The other way it can be used is in the business if you were a fisherman like Peter. And you had to, you have to mend the nets. Um, you know, every so often our, our, a dog gets into my wife's yarn. I don't know why. I don't know what it's about those, but if we leave the house and, shum, and, and frankly, sometimes it's been a project she's worked on a lot. And you get home and uh, you come home and open the door and Phoebe, <laughs> where are you? You know, I think, why do you do this? You know, I mean, what's so fun about this? You know, dog's not a puppy. She's like 10 or 11 years old, but she tears this thing apart. And I've watched Teresa put it back together. And uh, it takes time. It takes care. It takes patience. You don't just throw it back together. When you mend something, this is, so you get the picture, right? Paul says, listen, when you're dealing with, a brother or sister who's, 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 who's dealing with the sin, bring it back to health. Bring it back to the original state. But be, be gentle about it. Even if it hurts, even if it's hard, you can still be Christ-like about it, right? You can still be Christ-like about it and be gentle and kind and loving, even if it's a hard thing to do and takes firm action. You who are spiritual, restore that person gently. But it's interesting, the next thing he says here, this is really interesting to me, that he says, but, but watch yourself. Don't ever forget, you and I, we, we are all prone to temptation. And when we think that, that, that you know, we've helped somebody else, and um, boy, I'm sure glad I'm never going to be. It's very clear. And Paul says, hey, be careful. Watch yourself that you too don't fall into sin. We are called to help one another, but we are called to watch ourselves, watch our step. 
walks, you know, in King James, it says, walk circumspe- circumspectly. I remember my mom, uh, she had really bad knees. Um, she never had surgery, and she had really bad knees, but she never fell. <laughs> and, she, and she would sometimes walk, and was really hard was walking on uneven ground, right? You know, when you have to use a walker or a cane or something, uneven ground, that's really hard. And she would often quote that verse, walk circumspectly. <laughs> Be careful how you walk. And that's what it is. Paul says, listen, you, each one of us, be careful. And, in, and right now in your life, if, if there's something you're struggling with and you, or something you know you have a tendency toward, Paul says, be careful. Watch it. Be careful. Don't get careless. Look to God for help. Look to the Holy Spirit to strengthen you. He says, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Examine yourself, lest you too also fall into temptation. You know, this next part, verse 2. So you see, how do you fulfill Galatians 5, 13, and 14? How do you fulfill verse 14? The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. I I think the next verse is, I mean, it doesn't get any more practical than this. How do you do this? How do you love your neighbor as yourself, whether it's in the church family or outside the church family? Remember the story. What? Remember the story we talked about, the Good Samaritan, right? And I mentioned last week, and I wonder if you thought about this at all. It really struck me as I reviewed that story for last week's message that it was interesting to me that when the man says, well, who is my neighbor? And when he tells the story about the Good Samaritan, you know, the man who was traveling to Jericho and he's beat up and left, the priest goes by, the Levite goes by, Samaritan goes by, takes care of him, promises to come back and help, pay any bills. And Jesus said to the man, now, now who, is, who is the neighbor? And the focus becomes on the, on the Samaritan. He is a neighbor. You would have thought he would have said, who is the neighbor? Well, that man that was hurt, obviously he's the neighbor. But there's a little twist to it where Jesus says, you are the neighbor. The Samaritan is the neighbor. That's what he says. I guess it was the Samaritan. He says, you're right. Go and do this. What did he do? What did this good Samaritan do that we think of, we remember him as the good Samaritan? He did something. He saw a need and he responded. And what does this verse say? I mean, this is so practical. How you, how you treat your neighbor as yourself. Carry each, verse 2, others' burdens. Now, if you're going to memorize this week and you're having a little trouble, then memorize the second part. Memorize this one. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, does it get any more practical than that? Now, in this case, burden can be the sin. In this context, it can be, yes, help each other, restoring someone who's fallen into sin, restoring them gently, putting it back together, putting it back to original state, mending the net. That can be a way of carrying a burden. But I think we are, we are moving to a little bit larger picture now. I think the burdens can also be suffering. It could be responsibility. Maybe someone has a tremendous responsibility right now that they just need some help with. Do you know somebody right now who's really carrying a burden? Do you know somebody who's carrying a burden right now? Whether it's a health situation, a financial 
a relationship, just a discouragement. Maybe, I mean, it could be all sorts of things. And they're carrying, a, you know, like we mentioned earlier in the prayer time, we have many, many people right now in our community, in our country, who are really carrying burdens right now. And, and we need to pray. We're not there. I'm, I'm not in California with these, these tremendous fires right now. This, I, probably most of us have driven through that area at one time, right? Some of you have lived there. Some of you have relatives there. It's just hard to imagine some of those, those beautiful places just gone in ashes. In those communities, friends, there, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering right now, part of our family of God as well. And yet we need to pray that, that they can reach out to their neighbors in the name of Christ and, and, and be a help even in this difficult, difficult times. That The churches down there, we have churches down there, that these churches will be a, a refuge and a place of grace and mercy during this time. And so it's a very practical application. Carry the burdens. If, if, if you're helping restore someone who's struggling with the sin, and listen, friends, if, if it's someone that confides in you with something that's going on in their life and they need help with, part of restoring them gently is being wise about that confidence and keeping a confidence if needed to help them come through this and restore them. If it's a, if it's a behavior that is harming or dangerous to someone else or them, Yes, then there are times you have to go the next step. Those are difficult decisions. We, we all know that. If somebody is struggling with a burden, maybe somebody in your family right now, somebody in the faith family, maybe a neighbor, is there something you can do to carry that burden? You know, this, this very famous poster that uh, at some time, um, you know, right? Remember, remember those of us that go back a few years, uh, remember a song, He Ain't Heavy, right? He ain't heavy. He's my brother. Came from that um, boy's home in, in Nebraska. It was a famous poster. He, he ain't heavy, Father. He's my brother, <laughs> okay, with that accent. But this, this idea that, that no, it's, not, it's okay. I can do this. It's not, it's not heavy. I'm, I'm just helping out. He's my brother. He's my brother. He's my sister. And friends, you, you ask, you ask we, we memorize this verse. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. How do you do that? Well, it's very practical. If you know somebody's got a burden right now, say something. Do something. Reach out and help. Do something. Carry each other's burden. And if you're carrying a burden, don't be afraid to ask. And listen, what, what he concludes this by saying, he concludes this, this passage by saying, and thus you will fulfill the law of Christ. And there's been quite a bit written in the commentary. What is the law of Christ? What's he talking about here? The, what is the law of Christ? And I, mean, I was surprised how many different opinions I read on, on what this could possibly be. And I would say, don't overthink it, right? Is it really that complicated? Don't overthink it. He just got done telling us. Listen, the whole law, the whole Mosaic law can be summed up and, 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 the, and it's really in this one word. It's a word. It's a command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Is that not the law of Christ? I mean, don't overthink it. It's, don't, it's not that complicated. 
If you want to fulfill that, if you want to fulfill the law of Christ, do what Paul suggests. Carry each other's burdens. Help restore those who may be struggling with a, a sin that have been caught. Have been, and, and, and rather than stand back, you know, you know so often they've said that, that, that the, Christian, the Christian army is sometimes the only one that shoots its wounded. You know? Step out and help the wounded. Help restore. Bring it back to where it should be. You can do this. You can do this. I can do this. We can do this. And we can help one another carry the burdens that we have in life. And friends, also, don't be afraid to let someone else help you carry a burden. Don't be afraid to do that. This is how we fulfill the law of Christ. And that is the greatest law to live under. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Come unto me, all you who what? Are heavy and who are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you. Take upon me the yoke, the burden. It's light. It's not heavy. I will help you. We are his hands and his feet. Let's fulfill the law of Christ. And let's do it beginning with those closest to us. And be the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Next time you think of Thomas, and somebody refers to him as doubting Thomas, you might want to point them to John chapter 11 and say, yeah, that's true, but he was also courageous, Thomas. Let's remember the good things too. Let's not just remember the mistakes that people made. Mark, come up and lead us in our closing hymn. Thank you. When we do it, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Thank you. I tell you, you have to remem- memorize the songs too. Sorry. <laughs> the words weren't up there. <laughs> oh, they were? No. Oh. <laughs> the second stanza wasn't up there. Oh. That's, yeah. <laughs> That's why we weren't much help there, but some of us knew it. So, yeah. thanks, Mark. Thanks for leading in worship today. Yeah. Thank you for coming. When I say that, that is not just a throwaway line. I know you could be anywhere today. What a beautiful day today. A little cold, but isn't it beautiful out? You could be anywhere today. But you've, you've chosen to come and encourage one another. Just you friends, just being here, you are helping bear the burdens of others. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Let's be the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to have a lot. You don't have to be overly skilled. You just have to be available. That's what God wants from us. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come today. And Lord, we never want to close this service either without reaffirming to everyone here how much God loves them, how much you love them. You love them more than they could ever imagine. And it's because of that love that our Savior Jesus Christ left his throne above, came to this earth, lived and experienced 
life here on earth. And when he was here on earth, it was just as troublesome. There were just as many wars. There was just as much sin and sorrow and hardship as there is today. But he came and he shared it without sin. And he went to the cross of Calvary and died and paid the price for my sin and for everyone's sin that we could have forgiveness and eternal life. And Father, it's our prayer that nobody would leave here today without receiving your forgiveness for sins. May they come and talk to us if they have more questions. We can pray together and share this wonderful message. We go forth today rejoicing and celebrating once again on this first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's Day, for it is the day He rose from the dead victorious over sin and death and has opened the gates to resurrection and eternal life for all who receive it. And because of that, all of God's people say together, Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.